Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Welcome to Millennials Season 6, our first episode of 2020. And wow, look at this. We have a new theme song to kick off the year. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Things are so new, I almost forgot our introduction. (laughs) I know. I was too obsessed with your dancing, honestly. Yes. I was very focused on that. I need I to know if I need to like you... learn the choreography. <laughs> yeah, I was glad that you felt the need to dance because I was like, if nobody dances, this is going to be very weird because it's such a hype song. <laughs> right. And it's us just yeah. staring at our screens <laughs> well, like, wow, this new Patreon benefit so exciting. See, look, like this is new for people that are Patreon pledgers. This is new for us. I forget that, you know, now I can look at your faces. It's a whole new world. Uh, yeah, we just we wanted something... That was upbeat. That was, I wanted something a little indie rock. And it's got some chants in it. And like when they went, hey, I threw my hands up. (laughs) Hey. So we have a new theme song here in the main show. We also got a new song for After Dark. So stay tuned for that. And we also bought something for Breaking News. I think I will still scream Breaking News. Yeah, you have to. But we will also have Breaking News music. And I'm kind of envisioning it as like a six o'clock news intro with a voiceover so we'll have some fun with that whenever we do breaking news in january one thing that's not new is our album art and i've been waiting for one of you two to be like hey andrew when is that going to change back because you're still trolling millennial money but nobody said anything so it's still up (laughs) well it has to change now because we have a new tagline as well oh yes tell us about that so we spent quite a bit of time starting around Thanksgiving, just brainstorming as a group to figure out what is this show's vision? Like, let's we know all the things that we like to talk about, but let's make sure that we actually have that focus of what it is we're working towards. And we wanted to have a tagline that captured that. And we came up with the tagline altogether. If you've been following our social media or our website, you've probably seen it already. It's now I feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fake adulting real talk. And I think that re- that resonated so much with all of us because I think a lot of the time we feel like we're really faking and being adults. Yes. Um, I actually, speaking of which, I just went and had my emissions done for the first time in my life today. I've never had to do that before. Emissions? Like, like for your on car? my car. 31 years old, never had to get that done is that like a smog thing yeah okay i i mean my car's older so i'm very used to that (laughs) yeah um never like but never in my life have i had to do that because this is my first car that i've owned on my own so i always just drove other people's cars so it was their problem wait laura did you say fake adulting yeah no, no, the tagline is pretend adulting. Oh, I'm sorry. Pretend adulting. <laughs> I don't know why I keep fucking that up. It's pretend adulting real talk. Because real and fake are, what are they, a- antonyms? Is that the right? 
opposites. Yeah. They're yeah. opposites. So it they makes mean sense. the same thing. Pretend yeah. adulting. Yeah. We're pretend adults. Yeah. We're just trying our best, y'all. Yeah. Like that's what it right. comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Andrew can fix that in post. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. That's staying in. That's too much work. We wanted to include the word adulting in the tagline. Mm-hmm. We knew early on we wanted to get that in. And then we were talking about how like we have been faking it till we make it. That's a popular slogan and i think a lot of people really do think they are always faking it until they make it they're just doing the best that they can but we also wanted to get across the point that we're trying to make this a resource for people so that's why it's pretend adulting real talk so we hope you guys like the tagline it doesn't really make a difference (laughs) you know it's just it's just for marketing and previously our tagline was just the hashtag is silent Mm -hmm. and that does not give you a sense of the show at all to new people they're like what the hell are these egotistical assholes doing (laughs) i won't listen to this podcast so we're trying for like the first time in four or five years to actually bring new listeners on board so you'll find that reflected in the tagline and in the copy and of course the theme song too and also i mean a big point of this show is that we're talking about things that matter to us. But we also think there are things that matter to millennials um, and anybody of a progressive mindset. So that's what we're talking about when we say the real talk part of it. And the rest of it is us bungling through trying to be adults. Right. We have some new Patreon benefits as well. We've been making some adjustments to some of the benefits. So you'll see those reflected on our Patreon, patreon.com slash millennial. The biggest change right out of the gate is that we are now doing these on video. So you'll be able to see us as we are recording, which is a lot of fun. I think it's going to be making a big difference in how we interact with each other on air as well. So that was another reason that we wanted to do it. And um, hopefully you will get a kick out of seeing us talking and it'll be more entertaining to tune in on Monday nights when we record. Yeah. And you'll get to see us in our natural habitats. Um, I was telling Andrew before this, I'm pretty sure all three of us actually tried today to look (laughs) human i can't promise that's always going to be the case in the future so you might get me in like a bathrobe with like zit cream on (laughs) when it's a really bad you might see andrew picking his nose like you never know legit it's it's so worth it i will probably honest to god i will be picking my nose but i will turn the camera off because i'm not gonna have somebody screenshot that or something (laughs) how was everybody's break did everybody have a nice break it was wonderful I mainly just had a staycation and didn't really do or accomplish a whole bunch. So good. I'm not good. mad about it. Yeah, I did the same thing. We had a bunch of family in town that isn't usually with us in December. So it was really nice to have them around. Um, mm. But I was super tired and very ready for them to go back to their respective houses. Right? It feels yeah. like you need a vacation from the vacation I after know. something like Christmas or Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I went home to New Jersey. My sister told me that I'm going to be my second nephew's godfather. Isn't that Aww. sweet? Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, now I really need to be protective of this kid. And I said, Randy, you know, you might be making a mistake here because if God forbid anything happens to you, I'm going to make this kid a Democrat. So <laughs> what did he say to that? I know. I didn't actually say that. To oh, him. You, <laughs> well, we did, you did share with us that you were starting him off early. Oh, right? yeah. I meant to post that on Patreon or something. I guess I just posted it to Slack. But uh, me and my brother Ryan, we put young Trey in front of the television and turned on MSNBC and made him watch that. But he didn't really want to watch it. He just wanted to watch Blippi, which is like the new 
star for kids on YouTube. So anyway, yeah, that was that was kind of nice. But now I have to fly back in March or April just to watch this kid get some water sprayed on his forehead in a church. So I'm like, well, you also have to stand there and look interested. So have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, that too. That yeah. I think. I mean, if they're doing the religious ceremony, you're also going to have to commit to like raising that child in the church. Yeah. Oh no! I didn't sign up for well, this. It's all like you know. You just I don't say think yes, anybody you're takes not it. It's symbolic. Yeah. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. You might have to fly back for like reconciliations and communions. I assume they're Catholic because you said you grew up Catholic, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Will I have to fly back for those other things? Of course. They can pick other anointing him. That's the nice thing about Catholicism. The older you get, the more grandparents you get or godparents you get. So you might be off the hook if something happens, God forbid, to your sister and her yeah, husband. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> my, that was sweet. Yeah. My godparents are atheists. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. We just did the legal godparent thing. I'm like agnostic. I think we decided on the show. So. Okay. But I won't bring that up at the christening. <laughs> <laughs> what is all this shit? You're like, I will raise him in the church if that is his choice. And he so decides at a proper age. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to make sure he really wants to be Catholic. But I also started preparing for my cross-country road trip. I think I told you guys about this. No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think I... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, was it like, was Ifs? before break. Pre-break doesn't count. <laughs> it was a whole different year. I'm going to escape the Chicago winter for about a month and do some driving around the country. I'm going to go out to the Southwest, kind of feel out a couple of areas that me and Pat are interested in living in. Pat's going to meet me in Vegas. Then we're going to go down to Disneyland with my brother and his girlfriend. So that's going to be a lot of fun because that's going to be Pat's first time at Disneyland. And then after that, so that route, I'm going like um, Southwest, Amarillo, Texas, Albuquerque, Flagstaff, not that we want to live in those places, um, and then Vegas, and then, like I said, uh, California. But, Pam, I want to come up towards you, but I feel like it's going to be too cold, and I don't want to deal with any snow. Not in the Bay Area, oh. but, like, if I went east from there, it would suck, right? Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, you'd be better off coming up the 5 from LA, like, taking a break from... But then I have to go back south again, you know what I yeah. mean, to avoid, like, the snow, and that just seems, like, inconvenient. Yeah, I don't know so. about that. I've never actually, like driven through south dakota or anything like that but i assume it snows there but i want a cool way to document the trip and i don't know how yet so if anybody has some good ideas on how i can do that please let let me know like i want to make this my uh cheryl strayed moment i want this to be my wild <laughs> where i discover <laughs> myself you should do Try instagram to... stories because you can archive those on mm. your profile now oh that's a good point yeah yeah i want to like write a book though or like have a documentary crew following or, like, have me. a youtube channel start a channel that's a lot of work hey everybody oh so you don't you want to chronicle this but you don't want to do a lot of work i want it to be easy so the instagram story sounds good and that's a happy (laughs) medium because you're still you would still potentially be vlogging so i'll think about it i also don't want to brag about being on the trip not that it's all excitement but I, i just hate doing that type of thing these days so i posted two things on instagram over break that's like extremely rare for me including a pic of me and pat did you guys see that it was cute yeah it was that really got a lot cute. of likes i'm thinking of becoming a, a gay influencer do those people have a name you know like the the thirst traps i want to do that oh i thought you oh. were asking if gay influencers had a name and i was like how do you combine gay and influencer right influencer gay fluencer gay fluencer gay fluencer it works <laughs> 
close enough. Um, so we did want to take a moment here at the top of the show just to address the wildfires that are happening in Australia right now. This has been pretty heavily covered, so um, I don't think that there's anybody, at least in places with good news coverage, that hasn't heard about this at this point, but it is truly devastating. Um, I mean, there's been footage of just entire ecosystems being burned down of fires like lapping at people's houses. And it's something I think we can definitely empathize here in the States with because out on the West Coast, we've been having so much trouble with wildfires for the last few years. And it's just further evidence that climate change is very real and that we have a limited period of time in which we can reverse this. Mm -hmm. Or at least try. So we hope, you know, we've seen our our Australian listeners reporting on this in the Facebook group. We hope you're all being safe. Um, And please keep us updated. Let us know how you're doing. I saw a really unfortunate video of miles of dead animals along the road. And it's just shocking because you could never imagine such a thing to happen. And we are now living through that type of scenario. And I mean, Pam very recently had to evacuate because of wildfires. So it's something that, you know, hits very close to home for us on the show. And we just are thinking of everybody. And if there are any local causes, those of you in Australia know of, that would be beneficial for us to share on the show, please let us know. What else happened over break? Any wars get started or anything? <laughs> Maybe. We're going to be touching on this in a few minutes once we get into the news. But um, President Trump ordered an airstrike in Baghdad that resulted in the death of Qasem Salami, Salami, I keep saying the name wrong. I'll get it Say right. Say Salami, that's funny. Salami, no, that's uh, that's something they would do on Fox News. <laughs> Soleimani. And he was an Iranian uh, paramilitary strategist who killed a whole lot of people, both um, of Middle Eastern origin and American origin. So uh, we'll be talking about that and what this means for the 2020 election, what it means for impeachment and what the motivations behind this strike were once we get into the news. But it was definitely interesting seeing the new year start off with this. Welcome to 2020. Mm -hmm. In light of some of the less than desirable news we've gotten over the holiday season, some of you at home may be looking for ways to buy and live more sustainably. Our first sponsor this week can help with that. They're Rothy's, and they're the company making stylish shoes and flats out of recycled water bottles. I've been wearing my Rothy's for almost two years now, and these shoes don't quit. They've been through work, bar hopping, cross-country travel, impromptu rainstorms, and weddings with me. I even did a test run with these at the gym, and they're still going strong. I have the pointed flats in purple with baby blue racing stripes on them, and they literally go with any outfit I'm wearing, whether I'm dressing up or dressing down. That's because they're the perfect everyday shoes for life on the go, and they come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. They're also available in a range of styles like sneakers, loafers, points, and more. Rothy's has diverted more than 35 million water bottles from landfills by using their patented technology to weave recycled plastic water bottles into the softest shoes you'll ever wear. It'll seriously blow your mind that these things are made from water bottles. They're also fully machine washable because, let's face it, feet sweat. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L to get your new favorite shoes. 
Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. All right. So, Laura, as you spoke about a moment ago, shit has gotten real abroad. So this past Thursday, President Trump ordered an airstrike on the Baghdad airport, which resulted in the death of Qassam Soleimani. He was the head of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Quds Force, or the IRCG QF for short. Also killed in the strike was the leader of another local terrorist group that actually was responsible for launching an airstrike on an American military base in the last week, which ended in the death of an American contractor. So this was ultimately the reason why we did this. Also worth noting that Soleimani is on the State Department's terror watch list, so we do consider him a terrorist. He's, as I mentioned earlier, been responsible for the deaths of thousands of people in the Middle East. So this is not somebody who anybody should be losing any sleep over not being on this planet anymore. But Mm -hmm. there is a lot of concern over whether or not this was the right way to go about this, and whether or not we wanted to engage and, you know, sort of start a conflict with Iran right right now. Because the big question is, what are they going to do to retaliate? Iran responded by saying that they are going to retaliate militarily, (laughs) to which the president responded by saying that if they do, he has 52 sites prepared for bombings. Which is a war crime to attack cultural sites. Right, right? exactly. But then the State Department came out and completely contradicted that statement as well. They were like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. (laughs) Well, does it really matter what the State Department says? Because if Trump says they're going to do it, they're going to do it. This might just be a case of him putting down some tough talk like he does with a lot of countries to get them to back down. But the fact of the matter is that in this situation, Iran's not going to back down they are freaking pissed not to mention i mean like you know the state department can say trump's not going to do it and maybe he won't but he carried out this attack on proposed evidence that perhaps soleimani was going to target americans so by that same logic iran could also say the same thing it's like well we didn't know he wasn't actually going to do it well and that's the other thing we don't actually know if this attack was truly justified. Right. More information might be coming out in the days ahead. But this could also be a case of Donald Trump simply feeling like he needs to create a distraction. This may have just been a temper tantrum that got out of control. I honestly think that this is Trump. He's trying to do a couple of things here. One, he's trying to have his Osama bin Laden moment. And this is not that. Um And two, he's trying to distract from this whole impeachment kerfuffle that we have going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, historically, Americans are very hesitant to change leaders in the middle of a war. Mm -hmm. So if he starts a war with Iran or with anyone in the Middle East, it suddenly puts us in a position of having to decide whether or not we are changing leaders in the middle of a war. Yeah. This is a large, I mean, I would argue, a large part of the reason why George W. Bush was reelected in 2004. And the the historical parallels here kind of disturb me because George W. Bush was, his election was not dissimilar from how Trump was elected. He did not win the popular vote, but he won the Electoral College. 
Then 9-11 happened. Then we invaded Iraq, which we now know was an unjustified war. There were no weapons of mass destruction, and Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with 9-11. But they convinced the American public that those things were true. They got us into a war. And even though Bush didn't win the 2004 election with a mandate, he still won the popular vote, albeit narrowly. So the Iraq War, I think it can be argued, actually allowed Bush to win re-election legitimately. And that's what I'm afraid of here. And what's ironic is that Bush and Trump both don't deserve to become president again because of their mistakes in Iraq, Mm -hmm. in Iran, with 9-11. And yet they get re-elected because we're like, well, they're in it now, so we got to keep with them. Mm -hmm. Even us being on the left, I think it's scary to consider a change at the top when we are in the middle of a war, right? Like, I don't think anybody really wants that because that sounds extra hectic. I mean, it's it's definitely not ideal to have major policy shifts in the middle of a major foreign affair yeah. <laughs> like that. That said, I mean, they've already they're already deploying more than 3,000 troops as we speak to go over and be in Iraq and Iran and to handle some of this. While it's not ideal that we might change leaders in the middle of something like that, it's not ideal that we should even be there in the first place. Yeah. And troops who are fighting ISIS have now been pulled to go take care of this as well. So now ISIS might rise up again. What other fallouts have there been since... Um, so Iraq's parliament actually voted to expel U.S. troops. Hmm. And the U.S. responded by being like, oh, we're not going to actually remove our troops from Iraq. We're just going to reallocate them. <laughs> so basically, we're like, we're shuffling people around, but we're not going to comply with what your parliament voted on. Um, Iran has announced that it is formally pulling out of everything related to the Iran nuclear deal that Obama brokered in 2015. Now they're saying that they're not going to exercise any limitations on enriching their uranium, which is, you know, what you use to make nuclear bombs. And given their close proximity to our best friends in Israel, that's not a great thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're not happy. Mm -hmm. So this is only the beginning. Um, and and t- what do you guys make of, oh, this, we could be entering World War Three. Oh, there might be a draft again. I think it's a bit of an overreaction. Yeah. At this point, I know that may not be the popular thing to say, because I certainly understand the worries, especially the worries of young people. Um, there was a, a thing this week where a lot of young people who are getting ready to go to college notice that for men on their FAFSA form, it says that you can't receive student aid unless you've enrolled in the selective service, which is what would allow you to be drafted for a war. Right. So people took that and ran with it as though filing FAFSA registers you for the draft. (laughs) And that's not Mm -hmm. how that works. The way that it works is that all males age 18 have to register for the selective service in order to register to vote. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm pretty sure that when you go to register to vote, that's when you register. Um, And then in order to receive federal financial aid, you have to already have been registered. So in FAFSA, that's more of an acknowledgement Mm -hmm. of a requirement. It doesn't 
automatically register you. Yeah. Um, Andrew, you would have gone through this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm enrolled in the selective service. I uh, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight. Now I'm going to take a lesson from Donald Trump on how to dodge the draft because he did that. <laughs> well, um, also it takes an act of Congress to start. Like Trump can't just. Are we sure? Are we sure he can't just tweet it one morning that <laughs> all men between 19 and 45 have been drafted? Because <laughs> I mean, he does seem to think that that's an acceptable way to get messages to Congress. He tweeted yesterday that oh. um, this was his official notice to Congress of how he was going to handle things in Iran. And I was like, oh, great. And he said the president of the United States is making congressional announcements on Twitter. I'm not surprised. And the way he did it was hilarious. He said, these media posts will serve as notification to the United States Congress. I like how he said media posts and not tweets, because even though this only went out through Twitter, it sounds more official to say these media posts. Right, because it sounds like a press release. Yeah. Honestly, most likely, I think that the World War Three situation, I, I, I'm sure you guys do too. I remember people talking about that when... You know, we had our little altercation, not little, but, you know, with Iraq back in the early 2000s. Like, m- mm-hmm. my friends were joking about that then. I think it's like a natural response. Yeah. I do think, like Laura said, that it's kind of like an overstatement to say this is going to be World War Three. I think the biggest difference, honestly, like looking at the two as parallels, is that when George Bush went to war with Iraq. We had the backing because of, you know, what had happened in 9-11 of a lot of our um, uh, allies, you know, across the world. Uh, This time around, I'm not so sure. Um, I think that we've seen a lot of people debating across, you know, the global platform, not just in the Middle East, over whether or not this was a good idea. So I think that that's the scariest thing, honestly, mm. you know, that a lot of people that have traditionally been our allies since the the First World War uh, might not come to, you know, swoop in and help out this time around, yeah. uh, especially with such a divisive leader at the forefront of our country, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I agree. He has spent so much time thumbing his nose at our allies and right. literally everyone in NATO that it's like, well... Yeah, we're they're going to be like, now. see how you like it. You didn't want to be a part of this fancy club we yeah. got going on. So good luck. Right. And we've got an ocean between us and Iran. Some of these mm-hmm. other countries do not. So right. yeah, that, that's yeah. the other thing, too. It's like, uh, unfor- you know, fortunately for us, but unfortunately for, you know, anybody that we do get into wars with, like, we're never going to see a battle, you know, in Atlanta or in Chicago. The Battle of Atlanta. Or- yeah, or in San Chick-fil-A. Francisco. Like, that's just not going to happen. No. Like, we're not going to see troops on the ground here. Nobody wants that. Nobody's yeah. suggesting that, I don't think. No, no, no. But just, like, in general, like, when we fight wars, like, we do it on other grounds. Mm-hmm. Like, we see, like, the financial repercussions, but we don't see the devastation to, yeah, we you know, innocent bystanders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what scares me, is that, He's threatening to drop bombs on Iran and Iraq while he's already done, you know, he's struck Baghdad. But I just think about the vast majority of people who are living there who are just trying to live their fucking lives. Mm -hmm. And they've got Mango Mussolini across the ocean here. 
wanting to bomb them just to shore up his reelection and to distract from this impeachment. Yeah. All of this is because it doesn't seem like this was a justified move. That's mm-hmm. why there's so much skepticism right now. I yeah. will also I mean, of course, it's it's very much um a partisan belief here. Congressional Republicans are totally backing him up on this, saying that they believe it was justified. Meanwhile, House Democrats on on the House um intelligence committee were like we haven't seen any intelligence right we've had nothing shared with us i will also just point out that i remember early in trump's administration back in april 2017 he had hit an airbase in syria to send syria a lesson after they were using chemical weapons against their own citizens and it was awful that syria and assad was using these So everybody was afraid after these airstrikes that Syria was going to retaliate. And we were talking about war. People were talking about, oh, this is it. Trump has done it. We're about to go to war. Nothing happened. So this is definitely more serious what's happening in Iran. Mm -hmm. But let's all just be cautious here before exclaiming World War Three. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't blame people for the sentiment because it's like Pam talked about, the most disturbing thing here is that we are potentially tying ourselves up in yet another military venture in the Middle East that has no clear exit strategy. And this time, we're not going to have any allies. Um, And I I thought it would be really interesting because we are like the Iraq war generation. We're the 9-11 generation. We remember vividly when the Iraq war started. And I wanted to ask you guys for your thoughts and feelings on what it's like to have lived through that and then potentially see it happening again in our young adulthood. I still remember moments from that. I remember the first strikes and Bush making his announcement on national television. I remember the mission accomplished banner on the boat, (laughs) you know, certain moments like that. But I was also pretty young. I was only like 14, I think. So I don't think the gravity of the situation was truly felt by me. So just to think that we are potentially going into something like that for no reason other than Trump wanting to get reelected. We know what's going to happen. We're not going to get any good reason for killing him when we did. So we're all just going to have one big collective sigh over getting into another war. Republicans will forget that they once again got into a needless war. And uh, we're just going to keep sticking our heads in the sand like Mm -hmm. Republicans don't make very bad decisions. It's just it's such a discouraging cycle to witness in such short succession. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, the last Republican president. It feels president. like they just pulled everyone out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, even well into Obama's presidency, we still had a presence, and I mean, I think we'll always have a presence over there because we've fucked around in that part of the world so much that it's like we can never fully leave. Yeah. It's so disheartening because this was the guy who during the debates. He was um, he was get Trump was getting a lot of press for saying, hey, Bush lied about Iraq. He got us into a needless war. We shouldn't be there. And it's just very clear yet again, time after time, he is so self-serving that he will kill whoever he needs to kill. He'll break whatever laws he needs to break and he'll abuse whatever people he needs to abuse in order to hold on to his power. 
All right, well, no more serious discussions for the rest of the episode. We're just going to relax the rest of the time with uh, some Golden Globes talk. We're going to talk Star Wars. Mm -hmm. We're also going to talk about reading in 2020. Yes. I need to set some goals for myself, and I hope y'all can help me. I think we can. Okay. Um, Well, while Donald Trump is certainly experiencing lopsided support in Congress, we do not want all of you breast owners out there to face the same fate. Mm -hmm. Our next sponsor, Third Love, does bras differently. They believe all havers of breasts deserve to feel comfortable and confident every day. Their bras are designed to fit you, not the other way around. Third Love offers over 80 sizes, but they know the only size that matters is yours. I first discovered Third Love last year, and when I put on my first 24-7 perfect coverage bra, I was like, oh, (laughs) This is what bras are supposed to feel like. They're light enough to be barely there, but supportive enough to feel comfortable throughout your day. They also offer a perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. If you don't love it, return it and Third Love will wash and donate it to a person in need. But if you're like me, instead of returning your first bra, you'll turn around and buy four more because they really are that comfortable. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Do your tatas a favor and go to thirdlove.com slash millennial for 15% off today. You didn't touch your boobs like you promised you would. Well, I didn't talk about size and shape this week. Oh, well, make sure you do next time. Yeah. So, well, next time it'll be like size and shape. (laughs) I think my camera's too low. I can't catch it, but. Well, if I were a comedian, I would make a good joke about Laura's tatas and the Golden Globes. That's what I was trying to set you up for. Clever off the cuff. Speaking of Globes. The Globes. Speaking of the Globes. uh, The Golden Globes were this past Sunday, for those of you that care. Um, They're kind of like the ugly stepchild of award show season, but it does mark the kickoff to award show season that everybody knows the crown and glory is the Oscars. Um, Anyway, uh, I wanted to know if anybody else tuned in because I was obviously very clearly live tweeting. The oh, yeah. Whole time. I watch every year. Yeah. it's It always surprises me how soon it is after New Year's. I'm like, wow, we're already jumping into a big Hollywood event. Okay. I think in past years, it has been a little bit later. This year, I think because the Oscars are on February 9th, that's pretty early. Everything else is being crammed in together. So just in January, we had the Golden Globes, which just happened. And then the SAG Awards are in two weeks. And then the Grammys wrap up the month. So there's a lot Mm. going on. Uh, So Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the big film winner of the night. They scooped up three awards for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Screenplay. And uh, notable other mentions in this category include 1917, which drops in theaters this coming Friday. Um, Also, Joker, both of those picked up two awards each. And then Rocketman as well picked up two awards as well. What did Rocketman? Didn't it win like... Best Original Song and Best Actor. And those wins were really cute Mm -hmm. because Taron Egerton and Elton John were both genuinely so shocked to win. It was so adorable. Like Elton, he's had this storied career. He doesn't need anything else in life. He's been enormously successful. And to see him be so excited to win a Golden Globe, I that just like made my night. And yeah. him and Taron are clearly very good friends. So I was thrilled by that. And also Elton's longtime writing partner was there and accepted the award for 
best original song as well. And Elton was really excited about that because him and his writing partner had never won an award together before, which Mm -hmm. blows my mind. So he also had that very special moment. I just, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was really sweet. And a nice little, you know, cap off for them because they, they had a brilliant run with Rocket Man, which is yeah. really, really great. I think we're all really big fans of that movie. So it was really nice to see them interacting together. Moving over to television, uh, Chernobyl is still reigning supreme. They scooped up really well at the Emmys as well. And then over at the Golden Globes, they picked up awards in the Best Limited Series category, Best Actor in a Supporting Role as well, um, Secession. Also had a pretty big night. Um, It was really fun seeing that whole cast interact like in between awards and then also on stage. And then, of course, Fleabag, which has also been dominating, also won in two very large categories. And all of them tied for the most wins on the TV front with two accolades each. So what do you think of Ricky Gervais hosting? Pam, that's his fifth time, which seems like overkill. Yeah, get somebody new. And honestly, like it gets worse every year and nobody in the (laughs) audience particularly enjoys him anyway. So why do they keep doing it? They must really like him. The people who are in charge of selecting the host. I I got to say, I really like Ricky Gervais. I was laughing my ass off during that monologue he did overstep at one point but what were we gonna say oh i was gonna state what i think is maybe an unpopular opinion that i actually thought the monologue was really funny oh good yeah Yeah. um and it gets kind of tiring like when you hire an award show host it's their job to roast everybody that's what yeah they're there for um You know, they're there to lighten the mood. They're there to set the tone. And one of the easiest ways to access everybody, including viewers at home, is to poke fun at everyone. Right. Like, that's I comedy. Think, I mean, yeah. it's going to... And that's what you expect from Ricky Gervais. He, is, he goes there. Let me play one moment. This is uh, a strong part of the monologue, I thought. It wasn't the only epic movie. Once upon a time in Hollywood, nearly three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. So... (laughs) Even Prince Andrew's like, come on, Leo, mate, you know. You're nearly 50, son. Um, The world got to see James Corden as a fat pussy. He was also in the movie Cats, but no one saw that. Um, And the reviews, oh, shocking. I saw one that said, this is the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs, right? (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Yeah, I actually know a couple people who went to see Cats, but they got high before they saw it. They were like, that's the only way I was able to get through this horrendous movie. I don't know if that would make it better or worse. I think I would be more terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen Cats. Me neither. Uh, me oh, really? Neither. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to just avoid it. Because people are saying it's not just bad in a good way. It's just bad, bad. So that's why I want to avoid it. There was one really bad moment later in the show where Ricky made a joke about no longer employing female writers, I believe. And that joke just did not go over well. And it's just very insensitive. And it wasn't funny. But then at the end of his monologue, he actually did have a really good bit that I guess some actors probably scoffed at. And maybe people on Twitter did as well. But the actors are laughing. So listen to this. Oh, Apple roared into the... 
the TV game with a morning show, a superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple. I wish they cut back to Tim Cook when they said that, because that is brutal, yeah. saying you have people working in sweatshops. But here's the rest of this. <laughs> Amazon, Disney, if ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. And what did you guys make of that i thought it was funny because he's right every single person at all of these award shows every time gets up and makes some kind of political speech i don't have a problem with it personally but i can definitely see why many of the audience members at home in their living rooms are like oh jesus christ like i don't want to hear about this anymore. And I think that he was more alluding to that because, again, as the host, it's his job to make fun of everyone. I didn't yeah. agree with everything he joked about. Yeah. That line was a little awkward because the first award is given and Russell Crowe wins it. Russell Crowe is in Australia, we mm -hmm. find out, because he's protecting his family from these awful fires. And the award award presenters then gave a little speech from Russell Crowe about the enormity of these fires. So that was a little awkward. And then there were a bunch of very powerful speeches later in the broadcast. I agree with you, Laura. It's just a joke. So it is about people. the way that it's done, though. Um, and I, we put this down to talk about later, but I just saw a couple of people point this out in the Discord as well, that when it's done well, like Michelle Williams has lately been using her wins to, you know, make an impassioned speech about something that she feels passionately about. And this time it was about abortion and the importance of voting. Um, so I think that that goes across a lot better than somebody just being like, Oh, and by the way, like, save the rainforest, you know, right. like, you can tell when it's not genuine and when somebody truly actually believes in it mm -hmm. and wants to incite a ripple of change. I liked the Epstein comment, too. Oh, that yeah. was good, too. It was that so good. Felicity Huffman, she'll never escape her yeah. 11 days in jail. <laughs> she deserves it. Yeah, the Epstein, the Epstein comment was brilliant because everybody starts going, oh, and Gervais is like, he's your friend. He's your friend. And it <laughs> works because it almost sounds like they're insulted that he would insult Epstein. <laughs> so good. I also wanted, so I saw some clips. I loved Olivia Coleman um, during her acceptance because she didn't think she was actually going to win. So she just got drunk and then she won and she had to go up and give this speech. Hmm. I just yeah. thought that was really cute. Ellen DeGeneres and Tom Hanks were also honored with special awards, and they gave really great speeches, and the clip packages that played before their speeches were really good as well. I was very moved. Everybody seemed to temporarily forget that time that Ellen hung out with Bush. I almost snarkily tweeted about that, but then I decided not to. Oh, but they didn't forget on Twitter. But they didn't? I didn't see anybody say anything. Uh-uh, okay. no. Maybe I just follow too many um, you know, Hollywood people, but I feel like... You know, people 
need to get the fuck over that. That was such bullshit, that outrage. All I saw was that, and then Ellen's a terrible person, and that if you're in Hollywood long enough, you have like a a terrible Ellen story. All right, well, in related entertainment news, I wanted to touch on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, because it's a big deal. This was the end of the Skywalker trilogy. It was the end of this latest trilogy. So I'm going to be critical in a couple areas. And I'll keep it spoiler-free for now. I think we Mm. can keep it spoiler-free. Yeah, I think so, too. It was an entertaining movie. It moved fast. It looked great. The music was awesome. The acting was awesome. I am not a hardcore Star Wars fan, so I don't think I get wrapped up in these as much as other people do. But I do love the the fandom and the excitement around these films. And I love the new robot. every, Every film, they have to introduce a new robot in hopes that it's going to become the next 3PO or R2-D2 or BB-8. I also loved BB-8. I'm always here for BB-8. Give me all the BB-8 content. Did you guys like it overall? No. Oh, why, Laura? (laughs) Without getting into spoilers, it was like complete whiplash for me. There's my dog, by the way. Hello, Canela. I felt as though they completely undid most of the last movie. Like there were characters and scenarios introduced in the last movie that were featured very prominently that had, you know, like a minute of screen time in this movie and they very easily could have been removed from the whole story and it wouldn't have made a difference. Right. Like Kelly Murray trans. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. There were also certain revelations made that felt very rushed. Is it a spoiler to talk about Jedi healing? Well, that's brand new. So. Yeah. I'm like, what the yeah. f- Like, I'm not even a hardcore, a hardcore Star Wars fan. But I was like, what uh-huh. the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what cracks me up about that? They could heal wounds, but they could not fill in the clothing with their Jedi <laughs> powers. Just the skin. <laughs> no, we can't very, put together like, clothes. Deus Ex Machina power, though. Mm. You know? It's like, yeah. well, can't we, couldn't we have just undid a lot of stuff? Yeah. yeah. And how come she's the first one that can't? I, I don't know. Did you like it, Pam? I thought it was a good time at the movies. So if I was just a casual moviegoer, I I, I think that it, it's a fun movie to watch, like you said, Andrew. But mm-hmm. I also had a lot of issues with it. And um, and I think that for like what Laura was saying, the the undoing and unraveling a lot of a lot of stuff that was set up in The Last Jedi, it just didn't really make sense as an end cap because the pacing was off for me when you put it in that perspective. Because in undoing so much and having to set up so much, it really took away a lot of time that could have been well spent other ways. Yeah. So I'm a little bit upset about that because if JJ you know, had wanted to tell this story from the beginning, then he should have just done all three movies mm-hmm. and it would have been just fine. And I really think that some of the the things that I had issues with um, in the final movie, as of right now, my opinion might change after I see it a second time or maybe a third time. I think that they would have been non-issues if he had just helmed all of them and, and just told the story completely in full. But right now it's like... Yeah. It's so hard to connect all of the pieces. Yeah. You know? I mean, it just seemed like Abrams and Johnson had two completely different visions for what this trilogy was going to be. And if that was the case, one person should have handled it from start to finish. Exactly. And it's unfortunate because I, I know that like 
like The Last Jedi as a movie really divided the fandom. But at the same time, if you think back to like Empire Strikes Back, that was also a very divisive movie. And it's now seen as is like one of the best movies ever. So I think with like a little bit of perspective, the people that really hated on The Last Jedi are going to look back and realize what a gift it was. And just a lot of the things that they set up in that movie, and especially like the way that it ended um, on that scene with like the stable boys and girls, like, yeah, you know, with the power, it's just like, <sighs> when I think about it that way, it just really bothers me <laughs> that so much was undone in the last one. Yeah. Like it was yeah. fun, but it, it just would have been so nice to see some of those threads carried over and wrapped up. And it's unfortunate because Andrew alluded to this too. I mean, the the visuals were beautiful. The actors, I thought, did their best. You know, I felt like a lot of love did go into this project, and it's clear to me that people cared about it. But because of the conflicting visions, it just didn't land for me. And yeah. speaking of the visions, I'm going to get into a couple of my complaints. I'm going to keep this spoiler free. Ray's parentage. We do learn more about in this movie big time. We found out that Rian Johnson didn't even know. The Last Jedi director did not even know that this was going to be happening. So he didn't set this up at all. They decided this while writing The Rise of Skywalker. And that infuriates me because when they are designing trilogies, be it Star Wars, Fantastic Beasts, whatever decide what purpose your story is there for before getting into it. They should have decided that at the beginning instead of getting into it at the end. Don't make it all up as you go. I'll let Marvel do it because they have this endless slate of movies and they got to create, continue creating stories. But if you're saying at the beginning of this, okay, new Star Wars trilogy, three movies and we're done. Figure out your arc in the beginning. And yeah. that's, that's such a good point because, like, you're right, a lot of this could have been rectified um, in terms of, you know, Ray's story arc over the course of the three films if Abrams had known exactly what it was leading up to. And then he could have passed that along to Johnson. And right. and then maybe, like, it would have been fine. Like, I still feel like, mm, I don't know about that decision, but, like, I, I respect it. It's whatever. Um, objectively, kind of cool to see certain people come back. But, like... And there's a cool message there because it's like she has to choose between the light and the dark side. Yeah. So I get that. But they that. Yeah, still could have done that if she was no one. Yep. Right. Totally. And, and arguably that would have been way more monumental because like any, we can all, we are all Ray, you know, we can all <laughs> right. be her and right. we can all overcome adversity and, and like figure out how to deal with our shit. We are all Ray and we are all Skywalker. And that's why the ending of The Last Jedi worked so well, because you saw this Skywalker movement beginning. And when we saw the la the Rise of Skywalker title, we thought, oh, it's going to tie into what we saw at the end. Um, another thing that bothered me was the kiss. It came out of nowhere. It made no sense. Yeah. My theater laughed. Yeah, mine too. Which one? What I missed what you said. The kiss. The kiss at the end. Oh, the kiss. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I just, was just like, gasp. Some people have been quipping online that they did that just to appeal to certain shippers. That's it. There was this no whole other movie, reason. Honestly, like, was was just like appealing to what they thought the majority of fans wanted, and like the the shipping, I can I can like get over. 
But like, again, going back to Kelly Marie Tran, like that just felt like a slap in the face. Yeah, that you know? too was something she got a lot of hate, unfortunately, right. online. And it sucks. And they came up with a bullshit excuse afterwards. They said we had to write her out because we um, wanted her to be with Leia, but we had less Leia to work with. So it just wasn't working. But there was also a joke to your point, Pam, online that the film was written by Rian Johnson's Twitter mentions because people were just attacking him after Last Jedi. So they were like, OK, let's undo this. Let's see what everybody's yeah. complaining about. I yeah. also feel as though, I mean, there was a Carrie Fisher sized hole in this movie. Um it it's so clear to me that she was supposed to play a much larger role in this film. Um, and I think it would explain some of the choices that didn't make a lot of sense, but it felt to me like there was a significant period of time between her death and this movie's release. So to me, it seems like there could have been some rewrites done in order to minimize the amount of impact right. that character had on the story. Well, and my feeling is she probably should not have been in it at all. Mm-hmm. And right. I know fans liked seeing that. So what happened was they took footage that they shot for The Force Awakens and maybe Last Jedi 2, I heard, but I thought it was mm-hmm. primarily Force Awakens. And they repurposed that footage and fitted in to Rise of Skywalker, but it does not work. You can tell that she is not actually in the scene. And then the 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 dialogue between Leia and other characters, it's hollow because mm-hmm. I think there's like one point where she literally just goes, no. And then the people, the characters around her fill in the dialogue that she needs to say. Mm-hmm. Like, Leia, should we go out and do this right now? Yes. <laughs> it's just, it, it just feels really awkward and it doesn't work. And I, it sucks to say this, but they should have just written her out in between movies. You know, the title card, General Leia passed away. It was extremely tragic, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I there's nothing else I, you can do. I did like, um, like, not not the stuff that they did with, like, the, um, like the, the reused footage from the last two movies. But there there are certain moments that she is in that I did enjoy, um, especially kind of towards the back half of the movie. Okay. I don't know if that's like us. I, I, I'm trying like not to say it just in case we're still avoiding spoilers. Um, but but yeah, I think that you're right. I think unfortunately, them deciding to live and die by Leia has to be in this movie, but deciding not to like CGI her likeness ended up ultimately shooting them in the foot. I think that like the intentions were good, you know, not to completely recreate a character that looked like her and then have her voiced by somebody else for the parts that they did want to do. Right. But, that would but have it upset did, people. Yeah. But it did fall, um, unfortunately flat. And also like, I, I know that it's, it's like, you can't compare a uh, Leia Organa to a, a Lando Calrissian, but if the whole point was to have like a mentor from like, the original trilogy be the figurehead of like each of the three new movies they should have just like you know made their peace with the fact that leia wasn't going to be around and given lando more to do honestly right. like not necessarily in his character in the same way because they're very different people but at least right. then it might have felt a bit more cohesive to have him take everybody under their wing i agree and you also have to think that this story this trilogy on a whole would have been worlds different if and this is kind of dark to say but if Carrie Fisher died before The Force Awakens came out, Han Solo probably would not have been in the first movie. 
they probably really only could get Harrison Ford back for one movie. So they probably would have saved him till the end. And then Mark Hamill as Luke, I guess he probably would have been in the first two movies. But like everything that happens with the returning old actors would have been dramatically different if she had died before The Force Awakens. I think that they could have they could have found a way to finagle it had she passed away before the first movie. Um, and I think that Harrison Ford, I don't know, I, I think he needs a paycheck right now because just like his, I mean, we see him briefly in this film. Right, um, right. And he's also and in that because... terrible Call of the Wild movie that's coming out. So oh. is this CGI dog? <laughs> Like, what the heck? I did want to touch on this point. You guys mentioned the fandom and that sometimes it seems like there was a lot of fan service going on um, or that maybe fan pressure is what caused some of these outcomes. And I was thinking about this the other day, and I think that the more toxic part of the Star Wars fandom brought this on themselves because they're so toxic And there's literally nothing you can do to please them. So when you're like that, studios and creatives might feel the pressure to just say, we're going to put out a movie that is going to piss off the least number of people. (laughs) And when you get that, you get something like this movie. Poe, who's listening live, says, I love fandom, but I've always been scared of the Star Wars fandom. They are so effing toxic and so mean. It's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's the reason why I'm not... I didn't get super into Star Wars. I enjoy the movies, and I could have seen myself becoming more entrenched in the fandom, but it's so fucking toxic, especially towards women, that I was just like, nope. (laughs) That's why I I I, I, like hesitate to say I'm a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. Because they're the worst. It's a bummer. Yeah. So I just go, oh, yeah, I like Star Wars. I'm a casual fan, you know, but. So quickly, favorite Star Wars movie ever now. What is it? For me, I rewatched Last Jedi before Rise of Skywalker. I really like that movie. It's aged well so far. I mean, are you talking about this trilogy or just like all time? All. All time. Ooh. I I really liked Rogue One. That's my number two. I thought that was a great movie. And it was great, great because it was like, yeah, it's a Star Wars film. And guess what? It doesn't end happily. Like, right. sometimes so shit goes down, you know? Right. And Lucasfilm was probably tempted to not write that ending because of potential sequels. But they did it, and I applaud them for that. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't they originally shoot an alternate ending where... Uh, things ended on a happier note and then they played it for test audiences and it was just like no this does not make sense this way i don't know maybe yeah i will i will say that i i when i was doing my weird bastardized version of the machete order rewatch before this final movie um i rogue one plays so well right before going into um the a new hope, uh, a new hope. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just like so beautifully done it, it, it works so well yeah my my favorite though um just throwing it back to the original trilogy gotta go with empire strikes back um i think that a lot of like the iconic 
Star Wars moments that everybody references come from that movie. That's when Luke heads out to train with Master Yoda. It's his huge uh, battle moment with Vader, um, where he finds out that that's his father. It's just really good. The Han and Leia love story, like, arguably starts there. We get Lando. It's great. It's a great movie, and it's so much fun. If you haven't watched Empire Strikes Back in a while, 10 out of 10 would recommend doing that because it's really good. I haven't seen it in a while. Is that the movie where Luke and Leia still think they're siblings? Uh, yeah, I believe so. They really don't find... Yeah, because they don't find out until Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which which was, for a very long time, my favorite um, Star Wars movie. When I was younger, that was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Well... Whether you're at the movie theater or an award show, you probably want to look presentable and sexy, but you don't want to be uncomfortable. Going out and having to dress up sometimes can suck because you got to tuck in that shirt. I should be wearing my untucked shirt on camera. Our first on-camera show and I'm wearing a boring sweater. (sighs) Anyway, that's why I love Untucket. Makers of traditional button-ups that aren't long or baggy, so there's no tucking in. We just passed the holidays, and untucked shirts were actually at the top of my dad's wish list. He's seen me wear them. One of my uncles wears them, too. He got jealous. This is one of those ideas that should have happened a century ago, not having to tuck in your button down. But thank goodness Untucket finally made it happen. I just love how untucked shirts fit my frame, and they've got over 50 fit combinations for you to enjoy, no matter your size and shape. Here in the colder months, I really love the flannel types. They're cozy and warm and naturally fit into my wardrobe this time of year. Browse their website today. Check out the new arrivals. I was looking earlier today, and in addition to the classic button-down designs you know and love, they also have unique patterns and other special designs with the collars, the center of the shirt. I just love the variety. They have unique stuff. I hate buying things that look like something a million other people have. They've got some really unique designs. I just love it. Don't just take my word for it, though. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code M-I-L-L for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the United States. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code M-I-L-L for 20% off your first order. And no matter what advertiser you follow through with, please do be sure to use our promo codes because that's how they know that we sent you. Thank you so much. So in our Facebook group, Katie made a post about 2020 reading challenges and which of our listeners were pursuing them this year. So that made me curious how many books a year you two read. And if you try to set goals for yourself, I wanted to bring this up because I always want to read, but I never actually do. I love going into bookstores. I was in a used, or not a used bookstore, a uh, local bookstore the other day, like a mom and pop shop. And I get inspired to read. I'm like, yeah, 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 this is it. I'm going to start. And then I leave after buying some books. They just collect dust. Sit on on your shelf. Yeah. I don't usually count how many books I'm reading in a year. I just kind of pick things up as they appeal to me, but I'm usually reading something, whether it's a book or a short story series or like memoirs or essays, like something. Um, But if you were to estimate how many, like over 20 a year, 30? Probably not. I mean, I I would say it would be safe to say in the high teens, low 20s, maybe. Okay. 
Maybe not as much as I should. So like a book and a half a month, maybe. Yeah, I can actually tell you exactly how many books I've read because I use Goodreads to um, mm. just keep track of books that I want to read because I always forget. And Goodreads actually lets you set a reading challenge so you can keep track of what you've read and um, stuff like that. So um, this past year in 2019, I did hit my reading challenge, which was 24 books. Um, but then the last three years, I've averaged about 15 books. Okay. And I usually set it at 24, even though I, I don't think that I'll hit it because it, I, you know, everybody gets busy and two books a month can be a lot, especially if it's you go lot. for really meaty books. Yeah. But every once in a while, I surprise myself. So it's not like a hard and fast. I'm going to be so disappointed if I don't hit it. I usually just set it at 24 and see what happens. <sighs> I probably only read like four or five books a year at best. And I I hate to say that because I really do want to read more. I know one book I read last year was Red, White, and Royal Blue after Pam's recommendation. And and that was a good call. So many people love that book. It's been great seeing people read it. That's actually on my list for this year. Uh, I'm so excited for you to read it. But I have like Pete Buttigieg's book. And I started reading that. Haven't finished. I have a couple books on California that I've been meaning to read. Haven't done that. Um, Halfway through J.K. Rowling's Lethal White. But that one is long and detailed. And I'm like, this is a lot. And part of my problem is that I only tend to read at night when I'm about to go to bed. So I can only manage to read for like 20, 30 minutes. And then I just want to fall asleep. Can you do audiobooks? Maybe. Maybe like that's what I need to do. during the day while you're doing things? Probably not while I'm doing things. That's the other problem. Like when I'm writing or like, like planning Millennial, for example, like I need... I can't listen to other podcasts, that's for sure. Maybe what, I can listen to music. What about when you're but... making your nightly mac and cheese for dinner? Excuse me. <laughs> I do not make mac. No, that's right. At least like once a week. <laughs> no, but like for real, like when I'm I, when I'm cooking dinner or meal prepping, that's when I put on like if I'm listening to an audiobook right now, I'm I'm working my way through the Golden Compass trilogy still because I really want to read the Book of Dust this year. It's been on my shelf collecting dust for a while. Okay. Um, so so that it's kind of fun to have that on in the background. Because, yeah. But like how know, long, you know, that's what, 30 minutes of your time? Like that's not yeah. enough, I don't think. But I guess. But if you do it every day. Yeah. You know, yeah, like when true. you're cleaning or, you know, sometimes I put it on if I'm in the shower and I don't want to like think about how we're all dying and inching closer to <laughs> inevitable demise um, yeah andrew well in the discord says that as someone who loved red white and royal blue i can definitely say you'd love a book called the heart's invisible furries it's a great gay love story with heart-wrenching twists and turns the heart's invisible furies furries furry fury oh i th- said furries furies i think it's Fur- <laughs> <laughs> like wait, the like, wow, invisible the furry subgroup. That's really on. The I was rise. like a furry gay love story. Like okay, <laughs> an audible pop up came up when I pulled this up on Amazon. So maybe it's meant to be. Will I'm gonna add it to my list. Reading, I don't have to sing its praises. It's it's relaxing. It's refreshing to clear your head in that way. It's it's nice to sit down, not look at a screen. Um, I I will make a commitment on the show right now. Somebody remind me about this commitment, please. Maybe I'll write it down right now. So it'll haunt me every time I look uh, below my screen. I'm going to say 12 books for the year. That's a lot better than what I normally do. So yeah, I feel that's like a it's a really good... great goal. Yeah. Okay. Honestly. Okay. Book a month. I mean, that's significantly yeah, more than the average American reads. Mm-hmm. Which is the average American doesn't read. So 
Oh, okay. There you go. Great. Yeah, I see like one of my friends from LA, like he read like 42 books over the year and he was holding himself, I guess he set a goal and he was holding himself accountable, I think, by posting each book on Instagram. Maybe he was bragging. I don't know. But he included a picture of the book and how many books he had read so far. But yeah, if anybody else has any tips about making it easier to read, I just maybe I need to start reading earlier at night. I read when I'm like ready for bed. So I need to be like an hour before I'm ready for bed. I'm going to read instead of staring at CNN or my freaking phone or playing a video game. Reading with a friend helps me too. Like um, my best friend reads a lot, but she also listens to a lot of audiobooks. So sometimes if she's like really into something that she just read, I'll read it because that way she'll have somebody to talk about it with. Like I can talk about it with her. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So maybe like you and Pat can pick a book and read that together. Cuddle up in our comfies and we'll yeah. read, take turns reading paragraphs. I, I always, think that sounds like a great night. I always like it when people lend me books to read because then I feel pressured to Ooh, read them. Yeah. You know, cause then it's like, I feel like every time I come across them, there's that like, not ask question, but I know it's like just on the tip of their tongue. Like, how are you liking the book? When are you going <laughs> to give my book back? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so true. That's so do great. it that way. All right. On my little Hogwarts notepad, I've written down the number 12 and I'm just going to leave it sitting mm-hmm. here on my desk. Cool. I'm going to put Cute. it in front of my succulent. Perfect. You can water your succulent and then it'll remind you to read a little <laughs> Andrew, bit. Don't forget to read. And thanks for the water. <laughs> Do you guys have any particular books on your list so far? I want to finish reading Pete's book because it is 2020. And if I, I want to finish it before he gets out of the race, if he gets out of the race, because then I'll care about him less. I have a couple of things. Um, there's one book I want to read called Stone Butch Blues. It's apparently highly recommended reading Um in the trans community just because it is about somebody who transitioned while living in like a very blue collar um, part of like middle America. And it's apparently just a really good way to better inform yourself and just become more aware. And to be honest with um, all of the drama that happened with JK Rowling in the last month and the insensitive and transphobic comments she made, I felt like, I really wanted to better inform myself. Yeah. I also want to read The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. Um, he also wrote Devil in the White City, which we did on the Millennial Book Club back when that was a thing that existed. And that was a great book. So I would be really excited to read about this one. It's basically about um, Winston Churchill um, leading Britain through World War II. I'm also kicking my year off by reading some queer literature. So right now I'm reading The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue by Mackenzie Lee. Um, I've read that. It's good. Did you? Did you like it? Yeah. It's really fun yeah, so far. I'm like 100 much. pages in and I'm enjoying it. But that that comes highly recommended. So I'm excited to finish that. And then I also really want to this year read A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara because that book was gifted to me and it's also been sitting on my shelf for about two you. years now. Um, that book is gigantic. Yeah, it's isn't really it? big. And that's why I, you know, I every time I think I'm going to pick it up, I, I set it back down because, you know, I get something shorter and I decide to read through that. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Let me get this out of the way first before this tome. Everybody always says that it's life changing after they read it. Yeah. So I'm really excited for that. My ex-boyfriend has the cover tattooed on his arm. Did you see that? So that book meant a lot to him. Uh, yeah. And I 
believe that the last person that told me I needed to read it soon was him. Did he gift you the book? Was it him? No, he did not. (laughs) I would tell you. But he did keep saying, oh, Pam, you need to read it. It's so good. You'll die. So. All right. Well, good luck, everybody. If you have your own reading challenge, good luck. And let us know how um, you make time for reading and what books you're looking forward to reading. Coming up on Patreon today, speaking of books, I have some hot gossip about what's going on at MuggleNet. I'm so excited. Have you been to MuggleNet recently? You can't access it. And I'll tell you why in After Dark today. Very exciting. I have some juicy family um, drama that I cannot address on air. Like, (laughs) that's not behind a paywall, but... I'll break it down for you guys uh, at the what what's what's the level for After Dark? <laughs> Five OTP. Check it out. Go to Patreon.com/slash/Millennial. You can see all the benefits, and by pledging today, you're going to get instant access to a ton of stuff from the past five years. So. Check it out right now. Um, we also are going to update some of our benefits, like Landy, for example, is no more. It's going to become the Millennial Variety Show. It's going to have all three of us. We're still going to do Landy-type stuff, but then a few times a year, we're going to do something entirely new, be it like a game show or like some challenge or stuff like that. So it's going to be a fun way to shake up uh, this additional video benefit from time to time. We're also posting behind-the-scenes looks at the show, what's going on in our lives. You're going to have access to our Google Docs. And your support goes toward running the show, doing things like buying uh, this new music that we have for the podcast. We're going to work on some other art this year. Um, And of course, we're going to be giving out another physical benefit later in the year. We don't have anything to announce there yet, but your support will help us (laughs) buy the physical gifts that we're going to give back to you later in the year. And your support means a lot to us. So thank you so much much and thanks for sticking with us here in season six could not do it without you truly truly and we can't do 2020 without you no (laughs) please please help us survive this year time now for recommendations laura what's yours my recommendation is to write your own decade in review just for yourself. Um, This has been a really big trend over the last couple of months of people chronicling their decade in review on social, which is great. But I, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting, you know, at home and I was kind of just bored, but didn't want to go out and do anything. And it just occurred to me, I was like, I should just look back at the last 10 years and just narrative form, write out everything that I can remember, everything that stands out. And it was so impactful for me just going over the things that stood out, even the little things that stood out from the decade, but then also considering things that seemed like a bigger deal at the time that really aren't anymore. And it was nice to be able to see like, oh, wow, I let that go. You know, that's not bothering me anymore. It's not impacting me anymore. It's really interesting to see, you know, the situations and the people and everything that you remember that really sticks out as something prominent from your decade. So I recommend it. Mine was like a small novel um, by the time I was done with it. But it's something that I just love having for me. And I think it'll be really interesting to read over in another 10 years (laughs) to see where I am then. Yeah, for sure. Another cool idea might be to write your next decade now. In a class one time, the teacher made us write our own obituaries. (laughs) And the point was to make us 
think about where we want to go in life. And it is dark, but like we all enjoyed it once we we're finished, like looking back at these. Mine's going to be dyed by cheese. <laughs> Same. <laughs> also, Joel, you're great, but also killing me. In our project management tool, she <laughs> added read a book as a task <laughs> for me. <laughs> I love her. I assume she set it up so it repeats monthly. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. God, that's Damn brilliant. It. So then when it repeats next month, you can be like, oh, fuck, I didn't read the book last month. Right. I'm just going to quietly delete it and hope nobody notices. No, that was a good idea, actually, Jewel. Thank you. Mine is Anne with an E, which is Netflix's adaptation of Anne of Green Gables, the classic childhood favorite Um, this Uh, show is so good. It's on its third and final season, unfortunately, but it's just such a joy to watch. And I've been recommending this like crazy, uh, especially right now, because, you know, we've all uh, been enjoying Little Women. A lot of people have really loved Greta Gerwig's adaptation. So if you're looking for more Little Women and you've already powered through the PBS miniseries and done a rewatch of the 1994 adaptation, definitely give Anne with an E a try because it's uh, very similar energy, but a completely different story. And it's so, so, so good. I want to recommend Amazon Prime's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season three. We may have touched on this on the show a couple of times, but season three was recently released. And I think it was the best season yet. I really enjoyed it. It's about this woman who accidentally falls into this career of being a comedian and you're watching her rise. And it's just really entertaining, amazing cast. It's set in the 50s or 60s, I guess. So it's kind of a cool period piece as well. And um, yeah, just really funny. It's won a lot of Emmys and Golden Globes, I believe. So definitely check it out. It's it's a good watch. And it's like one of the few actually good things on Amazon. And you probably have Amazon Prime anyway. So check it out. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. If you have any feedback about today's episode, hit up millennialshow.com and use the contact form there. Or you can email millennialshow at gmail.com. While you're on our website, check out our updated copy and our new tagline. <laughs> we gave the whole website a refresh and there's all kinds of new things there. Um, also be sure to follow us on social media. We are millennial show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And by doing so, you will stay up to date on everything we've got going on throughout the week. And finally, one more plug for Patreon, patreon.com slash millennial. Your support keeps this show going. It lets us make the show a priority in our lives and it feels really good to get your support. So thank you. We really do appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. Bruises on both my knees For you don't say thank you or please I do what I want when I want And to my soul, so cynical So you're a tough guy Like a really rough guy Just can't get enough guy Just I was a buff guy I'm that bad type Make your mom a sad type Make your girl a mad type My seduce your dad type I'm the bad guy Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. 
Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today.